Chapter Twenty of Alice of Old Vincennes by Maurice Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Twenty, Alice's flag. Governor Hamilton received the note sent him by Colonel Clark and replied to it with curt dignity, but his heart was quaking. As a soldier, he was true to the military tradition, and nothing could have induced him to surrender his command with dishonor. Lieutenant Governor Hamilton, he wrote to Clark begs leave to acquaint colonel clark that he and his garrison are not disposed to be awed into any action unworthy of british subjects very brave words said helm when hamilton read the note to him but you'll sing a milder tune before many minutes or you and your whole garrison will perish in a bloody heap listen to those wild yells clark has enough men to eat you all up for breakfast you'd better be reasonable and prudent it's not bravery to court massacre hamilton turned away without a word and sent the message but helm saw that he was excited and could be still further wrought up you are playing into the hands of your bitterest enemies the frog-eaters he went on these creoles over whom you've held a hot poker all winter are crazy to be turned loose upon you and you know that they've got good cause to feel like giving you the extreme penalty they'll give it to you without a flinch if they get the chance you've done enough hamilton whirled about and glared ferociously helm what do you mean he demanded in a passion as hollow as it was full of desperate passion the genial captain laughed as if he had heard a good joke you won't catch any fish if you swear and you look blasphemous he said with the lightness of humour characteristic of him at all times you'd better say a prayer or two just reflect a moment upon the awful sins you have committed and a crash of coalescing volleys from every direction broke off his levity clark was sending his response to hamilton's lofty note the guns of freedom rang out a prophecy of triumph and the hissing bullets clucked sharply as they entered the solid logs of walls or whisked through an aperture and bowled over a man the british musketeers returned the fire as best they could with a courage and a stubborn coolness which helm openly admired although he could not hide his satisfaction whenever one of them was disabled la mode and his men are refusing to obey orders said farnsworth a little later hastily approaching hamilton his face flushed and a gleam of hot anger in his eyes they're in a nasty mood i can do nothing with them they have not fired a shot mutiny hamilton demanded not just that they say they do not wish to fire on their kinsmen and friends they are all french you know and they see their cousins brothers uncles and old acquaintances out there in clark's rabble i can do nothing with them shoot the scoundrels then it will be a toss-up which of us will come out on top if we try that besides if we begin a fight inside the americans will make short work of us well what in the hell are we to do then oh fight that's all said farnsworth apathetically turning to a small loophole and levelling a field-glass through it we might make a rush from the gates and stampede them he presently added then he uttered an exclamation of great surprise there's lieutenant beverly out there he exclaimed you're mistaken you're excited hamilton half sneeringly remarked yet not without a shade of uneasiness in his expression you forget sir look for yourself it's easily settled and farnsworth preferred the glass he's there to a certainty sir i saw beverley an hour ago said helm 
i knew all the time that he'd be on hand it was a white lie captain helm was as much surprised as his captors at what he heard but he could not resist the temptation to be annoying hamilton looked as farnsworth directed and sure enough there was the young virginian lieutenant standing on a barricade his hat off cheering his men with a superb show of zeal not a hair of his head was missing so far as the glass could be relied upon to show oncle jason's quick old eyes saw the gleam of the telescope tube in the loophole i never could shoot much he muttered and then a little bullet sped with absolute accuracy from his disreputable-looking rifle and shattered the object lens just as hamilton moved to withdraw the glass uttering an ejaculation of intense excitement such devils of marksmen said he and his face was haggard that infernal indian lied i could have told you all the time that the scalp long hair brought to you was not beverley's said helm indifferently i recognized lieutenant barlow's hair as soon as i saw it this was another piece of off-hand romance helm did not dream that he was accidentally sketching a horrible truth barlow's exclaimed farnsworth yes barlow's no mistake two more men reeled from a porthole the blood spinning far out of their wounds indeed through every aperture in the walls the bullets were now humming like mad hornets close that porthole stormed hamilton then turning to farnsworth he added we cannot endure this long shut up every place large enough for a bullet to get through go all around give strict orders to all see that the men do not foolishly expose themselves those ruffians out there have located every crack his glimpse of beverley and the sinister remark of helm had completely unmanned him before his men fell now it rushed upon him that if he would escape the wrath of the maddened creoles and the vengeance of alice's lover he must quickly throw himself upon the mercy of clark it was his only hope he chafed inwardly but bore himself with stern coolness he presently sought farnsworth pulled him aside and suggested that something must be done to prevent an assault and a massacre the sounds outside seemed to forebode a gathering for a desperate rush and in his heart he felt all the terrors of awful anticipation we are completely at their mercy that is plain he said shrugging his shoulders and gazing at the wounded men writhing in their agony what do you suggest captain farnsworth was a shrewd officer he recollected that philip de jean justice of detroit was on his way down the wabash from that post and probably near at hand with a flotilla of men and supplies why not ask for a few days of truce it could do no harm and if agreed to might be their salvation hamilton jumped at the thought and forthwith drew up a note which he sent out with a white flag never before in all his military career had he been so comforted by a sudden cessation of fighting his soul would grovel in spite of him alice's cold face now had beverley's beside it in his field of inner vision a double assurance of impending doom it seemed to him there was a short delay in the arrival of colonel clark's reply hastily scrawled on a bit of soiled paper the request for a truce was flatly refused but the note closed thus if mr hamilton is desirous of a conference with colonel clark he will meet him at the church with captain helms the spelling was not very good and there was a redundancy of capital letters yet hamilton understood it all and it was very difficult for him to conceal his haste to attend the proposed conference but he was afraid to go to the church the thought chilled him 
he could not face father beret who would probably be there and what if there should be evidences of the funeral what if he shuddered and tried to break away from the vision in his tortured brain he sent a proposition to clark to meet him on the esplanade before the main gate of the fort but clark declined insisting upon the church and thither he at last consented to go it was an immense brace to his spirit to have helm beside him during that walk which although but eighty yards in extent seemed to him a matter of leagues on the way he had to pass near the new position taken up by beverly and his men it was a fine test of nerve when the lieutenant's eyes met those of the governor neither man permitted the slightest change of countenance to betray his feelings in fact beverly's face was as rigid as marble he could not have changed it but with oncle jason it was a different affair he had no dignity to preserve no fine military bearing to sustain no terrible tug of conscience no paralyzing grip of despair on his heart when he saw hamilton going by bearing himself so superbly it affected the french volatility in his nature to such an extent that his tongue could not be controlled but ah bête forban meurtrier skin out from here beast robber murderer he cried in his keen screech-owl voice i'll get that scalp o yourn afore sundown see if i don't ye ornery gal killer and hair buyer the blood in hamilton's veins caught no warmth from these remarks but he held his head high and passed stolidly on as if he did not hear a word helm turned the tail of an eye upon oncle jason and gave him a droll quizzical wink of approval in response the old man with grotesque solemnity drew his buckhorn-handled knife licked its blade and returned it to its sheath a bit of pantomime well understood and keenly enjoyed by the onlooking creoles they jeered Gouja, poltron beverly heard the taunting racket but did not realize it which was well enough for he could not have restrained the bitter effervescence he stood like a statue gazing fixedly at the now receding figure the lofty cold-faced man in whom centred his hate of hates clark had requested him to be present at the conference in the church but he declined feeling that he could not meet hamilton and restrain himself now he regretted his refusal half wishing that no he could not assassinate an enemy under a white flag in his heart he prayed that there would be no surrender that hamilton would reject every offer to storm the fort and revel in butchering its garrison seemed the only desirable thing left for him in life father beret was indeed present at the church as hamilton had dreaded and the two duelists gave each other a rapier-like eye-thrust neither spoke however and clark immediately demanded a settlement of the matter in hand he was brusque and imperious to a degree apparently rather anxious to repel every peaceful advance it was a laconic interview crisp as autumn ice and bitter as gallberries colonel clark had no respect whatever for hamilton to whom he had applied the imperishable adjective hair buyer general on the other hand governor hamilton who felt keenly the disgrace of having to equalize himself officially and discuss terms of surrender with a rough backwoodsman could not conceal his contempt of clark the five men of history hamilton helm hay clark and bowman were not distinguished diplomats they went at their work rather after the hammer and tongs fashion clark bluntly demanded unconditional surrender hamilton refused they argued the matter 
helm put in his oar trying to soften the situation as was his custom on all occasions and received from clark a stinging reprimand with the reminder that he was nothing but a prisoner on parole and had no voice at all in settling the terms of surrender i release him sir said hamilton he is no longer a prisoner i am quite willing to have captain helm join freely in our conference and i refuse to permit his acceptance of your favour responded clark captain helm you will return with mr hamilton to the fort and remain his captive until i free you by force meantime hold your tongue father beret suave-looking and quiet occupied himself at the little altar apparently altogether indifferent to what was being said but he lost not a word of the talk quia bed oris odiendi odiat he inwardly repeated smiling blandly godete in ila die ed exultate hamilton rose to go deep lines of worry creased his face but when the party had passed outside he suddenly turned upon clark and said why do you demand impossible terms of me i will tell you sir was the stern answer in a tone in which there was no mercy or compromise i would rather have you refuse i desire nothing so much as an excuse to wreak full and bloody vengeance on every man in that fort who has engaged in the business of employing savages to scalp brave patriotic men and defenceless women and children the cries of the widows and the fatherless on our frontiers require the blood of the indian partisans at my hands if you choose to risk the massacre of your garrison to save those despicable red-handed partisans have your pleasure what you have done you know better than i do i have a duty to perform you may be able to soften its nature i may take it into my head to send for some of our bereaved women to witness my terrible work and see that it is well done if you insist upon the worst major hay who was hamilton's indian agent now with some difficulty clearing his throat spoke up pray sir said he who is it that you call indian partisans sir replied clark seeing that his words had gone solidly home i take major hay to be one of the principals this seemed to strike hay with deadly force clark's report says that he was pale and trembling scarcely able to stand and that hamilton blushed and i observed was much affected at his behaviour doubtless if the doughty american commander had known more about the governor's feelings just then he would have added that an awful fear even greater than the indian agents did more than anything else to congest the veins in his face the parties separated without reaching an agreement but the end had come the terror in hamilton's soul was doubled by a wild scene enacted under the walls of his fort a scene which having no proper place in this story strong as its historical interest unquestionably is must be but outlined a party of indians returning from a scalping expedition in kentucky and along the ohio was captured on the outskirts of the town by some of clark's men who proceeded to kill and scalp them within full view of the beleaguered garrison after which their mangled bodies were flung into the river if the british commander needed further wine of dread to fill his cup with all it was furnished by an ostentatious marshalling of the american forces for a general assault his spirit broke completely so that it looked like a godsend to him when clark finally offered terms of honourable surrender the consummation of which was to be postponed until the following morning he accepted promptly appending to the articles of capitulation the following reasons for his action the remoteness from succour 
the state and quantity of provisions etc unanimity of officers and men in its expediency the honourable terms allowed and lastly the confidence in a generous enemy confidence in a generous enemy abject fear of the vengeance just wreaked upon his savage emissaries would have been the true statement beverly read the paper when clark sent for him but he could not join in the extravagant delight of his fellow-officers and their brave men what did all this victory mean to him hamilton to be treated as an honourable prisoner of war permitted to strut forth from the fort with his sword at his side his head up the scalp-fire the murderer of alice what was patriotism to the crushed heart of a lover even if his vision had been able to pierce the future and realize the splendor of anglo-saxon civilization which was to follow that little triumph at vincennes what pleasure could it have afforded him alice alice only alice no other thought had influence save the recurring surge of desire for vengeance upon her murderer and yet that night beverly slept and so forgot his despair for many hours even dreamed a pleasant dream of home where his childhood was spent of the stately old house on the breezy hilltop overlooking a sunny plantation with a little river lapsing and shimmering through it his mother's dear arms were around him her loving breath stirred his hair and his stalwart grey-headed father sat on the veranda comfortably smoking his pipe while away in the wide fields the negroes sang at the plough and the hoe sweeter and sweeter grew the scene softer the air tenderer the blending sounds of the water murmur leaf rustle bird-song and slave-song until hand in hand he wandered with alice in greening groves where the air was trembling with the ecstasy of spring a young officer awoke him with an order from clark to go on duty at once with captains worthington and williams who under colonel clark himself were to take possession of the fort mechanically he obeyed the sun was far up shining between clouds of a leaden watery hue by the time everything was ready for the important ceremony beside the main gate of the stockade two companies of patriots under bowman and mccarty were drawn up as guards while the british garrison filed out and was taken in charge this bit of formality ended governor hamilton attended by some of his officers went back into the fort and the gate was closed clark now gave orders that preparations be made for hauling down the british flag and hoisting the young banner of liberty in its place when everything should be ready for a salute of thirteen guns from the captured battery helm's round face was beaming plainly it showed that his happiness was supreme he dared not say anything however for clark was now all sternness and formality it would be dangerous to take any liberties but he could smile and roll his quid of tobacco from cheek to cheek hamilton and farnsworth the latter slightly wounded in the left arm which was bandaged stood together somewhat apart from their fellow-officers while preliminary steps for celebrating their defeat and capture were in progress they looked forlorn enough to have excited deep sympathy under fairer conditions outside the fort the creoles were beginning a noise of jubilation the rumour of what was going to be done had passed from mouth to mouth until every soul in the town knew and thrilled with expectancy men women and children came swarming to the sight and to hear at close range the crash of the cannon they shouted in a scattering way at first then the tumult grew swiftly to a solid rolling tide that seemed beyond all comparison with the population of vincennes hamilton heard it and trembled inwardly afraid lest the mob should prove too strong for the guard one leonine voice roared distinctly high above the noise 
it was a sound familiar to all the creoles that bellowing shout of gaspard roussillon's he was roaming around the stockade having been turned back by the guard when he tried to pass through the main gate they shut me out he bellowed furiously i am gaspard roussillon and they shut me out me zif me voici je vais entrer immediatement moi he attracted but little attention however the people and the soldiery were all too excited by the special interest of the occasion and too busy with making a racket of their own for any individual even the great roussillon to gain their eyes or ears he in turn scarcely heard the tumult they made so self-centred were his burning thoughts and feelings a great occasion in vincennes and he gaspard roussillon not recognized as one of the large factors in it ah no never and he strode along the wall of the stockade turning the corners and heavily shambling over the inequalities till he reached the postern it was not fastened someone having passed through just before him zif he ejaculated stepping into the area and shaking himself after the manner of a dusty mastiff c'est moi gaspard roussillon his massive underjaw was set like that of a vice yet it quivered with rage a rage which was more fiery condensation of self-approval than anger outside the shouting singing and huzzas gathered strength and volume until the sound became a hoarse roar clark was uneasy he had overheard much of a threatening character during the siege the creoles were he knew justly exasperated and even his own men had been showing a spirit which might easily be fanned into a dangerous flame of vengeance he was very anxious to have the formalities of taking possession of the fort over with so that he could the better control his forces sending for beverly he assigned him to the duty of hauling down the british flag and running up that of virginia it was an honour of no doubtful sort which under different circumstances would have made the lieutenant's heart glow as it was he proceeded without any sense of pride or pleasure moving as a mere machine and performing an act significant beyond any other done west of the mountains in the great struggle for american independence and the control of american territory hamilton stood a little way from the foot of the tail flagpole his arms folded on his breast his chin slightly drawn in his brows contracted gazing steadily at beverly while he was untying the halyard which had been wound round the pole's base about three feet above the ground the american troops in the fort were disposed so as to form three sides of a hollow square facing inward oncle jason serving as the ornamental extreme of one line was conspicuous for his outlandish garb and unmilitary bearing the silence inside the stockade offered a strong contrast to the tremendous roar of voices outside clark made a signal and at the tap of a drum beverly shook the ropes loose and began to lower the british colours slowly the bright emblem of earth's mightiest nation crept down in token of the fact that a handful of backwoodsmen had won an empire by a splendid stroke of pure heroism beverly detached the flag and saluting handed it to colonel clark hamilton's breast heaved and his iron jaws tightened their pressure until the lines of his cheeks were deep furrows of pain father beret who had just been admitted quietly took a place at one side near the wall there was a fine warm benignant smile on his old face yet his powerful shoulders drooped as if weighted down with a heavy load hamilton was aware when he entered and instantly the scene of their conflict came into his memory with awful vividness and he saw alice lying outstretched stark and cold the shining strand of hair fluttering across her pallid cheek her ghost overshadowed him 
just then there was a bird-like movement a wing-like rustle and a light figure flitted swiftly across the area all eyes were turned upon it hamilton recoiled as pale as death half lifting his hands as if to ward off a deadly blow and then a gay flag was flung out over his head he saw before him the girl he had shot but her beautiful face was not waxen now nor was it cold or lifeless the rich red blood was strong under the brown yet delicate skin the eyes were bright and brave the cherry lips slightly apart gave a glimpse of pearl-white teeth and the dimples those roguish dimples twinkled sweetly colonel clark looked on in amazement and in spite of himself in admiration he did not understand the sudden incident bewildered him but his virile nature was instantly and wholly charmed something like a breath of violet shook the tenderest chords of his heart alice stood firmly a statue of triumph her right arm outstretched holding the flag high above hamilton's head and close by her side the little hunchback jean was posed in his most characteristic attitude gazing at the banner which he himself had stolen and kept hidden for alice's sake and because he loved it there was a dead silence for some moments during which hamilton's face showed that he was ready to collapse then the keen voice of oncle jason broke forth vive george vassington vive la bannière d'alice roussillon he sprang to the middle of the area and flung his old cap high in air with a shrill war-hoop east it east it ici la bannière de mademoiselle alice roussillon voilà que c'est glorieuse cette bannière là east it east it he was dancing with a rickety liveliness his goatish legs and shrivelled body giving him the look of an emaciated satyr clark had been told by some of his creole officers the story of how alice raised the flag when helm took the fort and how she snatched it from hamilton's hand as it were and would not give it up when he demanded it the whole situation pretty soon began to explain itself as he saw what alice was doing then he heard her say to hamilton while she slowly swayed the rippling flag back and forth i said as you will remember monsieur le gouverneur that when you next should see this flag i should wave it over your head well look i am waving it vive la république vive george washington what do you think of it monsieur le gouverneur the poor little hunchback jean took off his cap and tossed it in rhythmical emphasis keeping time to her words and now from behind the hollow square came a mighty voice c'est moi gaspard roussillon me voici messieurs there was a spirit in the air which caught from alice a thrill of romantic energy the men in the ranks and the officers in front of them felt a wave of irresistible sympathy sweep through their hearts her picturesque beauty her fine temper the fitness of the incident to the occasion had an instantaneous power which moved all men alike raise her flag run up the young lady's flag some one shouted and then every voice seemed to echo the words clark was a young man of noble type in whose veins throbbed the warm chivalrous blood of the cavaliers a waft of the suddenly prevailing influence bore him also quite off his feet he turned to beverly and said do it it will have a great effect it is a good idea get the young lady's flag and her permission to run it up before he finished speaking indeed at the first glance he saw that beverly like hamilton was white as a dead man 
and at the same time it came to his memory that his young friend had confided to him during the awful march through the prairie wilderness a love story about this very alice ocion in the worry and stress of the subsequent struggle he had forgotten the tender basis upon which beverly had rested his excuse for leaving vincennes now it all reappeared in justification of what was going on it touched the romantic core of his southern nature i say lieutenant beverly he repeated beg the young lady's permission to use her flag upon this glorious occasion or shall i do it for you there were no miracles in those brave days and the strain of life with its terrible realities braced all men and women to meet sudden explosions of surprise whether of good or bad effect with admirable equipoise but beverley's trial it must be admitted was extraordinary still he braced himself quickly and his whole expression changed when clark moved to go to alice for he realized now that it was indeed alice in flesh and blood standing there the centre of admiration filling the air with her fine magnetism and crowning a great triumph with her beauty he gave her a glad flashing smile as if he had just discovered her and walked straight to her his hands extended she was not looking toward him but she saw him and turned to face him hers was the advantage for she had known for some hours of his presence in vincennes and had prepared herself to meet him courageously and with maidenly reserve there is no safety however when love lurks neither beverley nor alice was as much agitated as hamilton yet they both forgot what he remembered that a hundred grim frontier soldiers were looking on hamilton had his personal and official dignity to sustain and he fairly did it under what a pressure of humiliating and surprising circumstances we can fully comprehend not so with the two young people standing as it were in a suddenly bestowed and incomparable happiness on the verge of a new life each to the other an unexpected unhoped-for resurrection from the dead to them there was no universe save the illimitable expanse of their love in that moment of meeting all that they had suffered on account of love was transfused and poured forth a glowing libation for love's sake a flood before which all barriers broke father beret was looking on with a strange fire in his eyes and what he feared would happen did happen alice let the flag fall at hamilton's feet when beverley came near her smiling that great glad smile and with a joyous cry leaped into his outstretched arms jean snatched up the fallen banner and ran to colonel clark with it two minutes later it was made fast and the halyard began to squeak through the rude pulley at the top of the pole up up climbed the gay little emblem of glory while the cannon crashed from the embrasures of the blockhouse hard by and outside the roar of voices redoubled thirteen guns boomed the salute though it should have been fourteen the additional one for the great northwestern territory that day annexed to the domain of the young american republic the flag went up at old vincennes never to come down again and when it reached its place at the top of the staff beverley and alice stood side by side looking at it while the sun broke through the clouds and flashed on its shining folds and love unabashed glorified the two strong young faces End of chapter twenty